We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Light Ears Podcast, recording this at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, February 10th, right after the G League bubble inaugural game between the Walnut Creek Ignite and the Santa Cruz Sea Dubs. I have Aaron Larsell sitting in for Andy Liu today. Is that the most hype you've ever been to watch a G League game, Aaron? The most excited you've ever been yeah, to watch a G League um... game? Yeah, I mean, frankly, I think it might be the only game, the only G League game I've watched um, start to finish. No, 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 that's not true. I went to a, um, I went to a Lakers G League game, a South Bay Lakers G League game last year. So, and and sat through the entire thing as a oh, back show when we support. could do things in person. Exactly. Yes. Uh, uh, nice. And by la- by the way, and by last year, I mean two years ago at this point. So. Uh, but yeah, is it, I think it's the it's most excited I've been to watch a G League game on television. And um, as I get old, my um, my my attention span kind of dwindles. But I did I, I feel like I did a pretty good job uh, sticking it out and watched pretty carefully most of the, most of the whole thing. I mean, it's if it was just the uh, the Santa Cruz Warriors, you know, no disrespect. Uh, I'd have had a harder time, but obviously the intrigue factor with two potential top five picks, three or four first rounders and kind of first of its kind development team for guys who want to forego college. Like to me, that was really what drew me to it. You know, we've heard about how great Jonathan Kuminga and Jalen Green are. We saw the AAU high school highlights, but um, when you throw in the pandemic and when you throw in um, the fact that they're doing something different than most top prospects, you know, they could have gone to a Duke or a Kentucky or, or they could have gone abroad like LaMelo ball or, you know, guys like Emmanuel Moutier or stuff in the past. They're, they're fundamentally doing something we haven't seen quote unquote top 10 picks do. I think that brings an added level of excitement to it. 
I agree. And I, I think the other thing, kind of in a bigger picture sense, right? It, it was interesting to see these guys, but I think it's also interesting and we'll see how, how the ratings do. But I think uh, like conceptually, it was kind of proof of concept. Like, right. can these guys do it? How do the guys look is important for them, but it's also important, like how do they look in a bigger picture? Like, is this viable? Is this going to be a thing that's viable for the NBA and for the G League to do long-term? Is this going to be something that is going to attract, you know, next, next year's, year's guys and the year guys, after? Yeah. yeah, so I think that was kind of interesting too. And I mean, they acquitted themselves well. Um, and I, I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of wonky. I think they're getting good coaching. And I think it's interesting that they have, you know, Amir Johnson and Jarrett Jack and veterans like that. But then it gets kind of wonky, like at the end of the game, Jarrett Jack is is subbing in for Jalen Green because they're trying to win the game. Okay, are you actually trying to win the game or right? But you have to right. be fair. You have to be you have to be fair to to Jay Jack, who's like a friend of mine. I like Jay Jack, but like he's not an NBA guy anymore, right? And he's trying to make the journey back. So for him, is it about teaching the young guys or is it about teach or trying to get back in the league? So you kind of have to be fair to those guys too and give them their opportunity to show themselves. And frankly, he was better than Jalen Green today. Um, Easily. He but looked yeah, like, but he looked like prime 2013, could not miss a mid-range jumper. That's right. For I think the it was Warriors. 9 or 10, right? Yeah, exactly. Was, uh, Jay Jack, uh, yeah, he's he's good people. I got a good Jay Jack stories. But um, I don't know. Give, like, give us your to, best, give us your best podcast approved Jared Jack story. All right. So I want to say this is 2009. Yeah, I think it was 2009. Portland. Yeah, I'm in Portland, and uh, so I know I know I'm from Portland, and I am flying back to Portland from D.C. Uh, Jared, he's a he's a D.C. guy. I'm flying back from uh, from I went to go see Cal play Maryland. I'm flying back to Portland, and uh, I'm, I see somebody coming on the plane. I'm like, what is? I know this dude. I'm like, he's got the hat down low. He's got a basketball with him. So I sit down. It's Jarrett Jack. He spends the entire flight dribbling a basketball up and down the aisle in first class. He he brought a basketball with him to fly back to Portland from D.C. So, yeah, I mean, like the man is committed to his craft. But, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of like, yeah, we'll talk about this later. But to bring it uh, for the Warriors fans, to bring it kind of like full circle, the Ignite team it's kind of trying to thread the needle kind of like the Warriors. You have to kind of pick a lane. Uh, right. What are you, what are you doing? Are you trying to win now or not or develop guys or not? So I think that's going to be kind of uh, for Brian Shaw. I think that's going to be kind of the constant battle. Like you have to be fair to Jared Jack and he was really good today, but like, are you trying to win? Or are you trying to right. get Jalen green the, the, the time to develop? So I think that'll be kind of interesting to monitor. Absolutely. Um, on paper, it sounds like something the NBA should have been doing a long time ago. I mean, they're really pumping up the fact that these guys are getting professional coaching. Brian Shaw is an excellent coach for a program like this. They're putting veterans on the team, um, not just any veterans, but like good, like locker room veterans, guys who have kind of a history helping younger players too. I mean, the Warriors will talk a lot about like what Jared Jack meant to them when they were mm-hmm. getting good in 2012, 13, Amir Johnson's, also has a similar reputation like that um, for big men. And then finance. And then finally, like they're, 
they're making these young guys take some courses too. They're teaching them financial literacy, how to be a pro and kind of the things you would want an 18, 19 year old who's about to come across a lot of money to know yeah, I mean, because, because God knows yes, what I would do. It's in 18, things 19. they do like the, the, right. Oh God. Theoretically, um, you know, when they, when they have, they have the rookie symposium and stuff, right. and they do these kind of programs for guys, but um, you know, you are missing out on, on some, you know, like the guys don't really go to class that much, but you sure. are missing out on some life skill and social development um, and some maturity by not going to college. So the, the league uh, using this time to encourage slash cajole slash force the kids to, uh, you know, make up for some of that and maybe even have in, in some cases, um, you know, a, a better environment to learn those kind of life skills, I think is, is a really positive thing. And like, I think guys should be able to come out of high school and play anyway. Um, so the fact that this is hopefully, and it looked like today that it will be an actual option, like a, a reasonable option for people, I think is a good thing. All right, let's get to the basketball now. Um, All right, let's get it. So my first thoughts, I guess we should start with the Ignite because the 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 prospects there are kind of the, the most exciting thing. These are guys who are theoretically in play for the Wolves pick, should it convey. If you haven't had a chance, check out our podcast with uh, Jonathan Wasserman that was posted on Monday. Gives kind of a great primer on the top yeah, five really guys. Good. And, it was really um, good. you know, if you haven't seen him play, it's a good place to start to just get a feel for what type of players they are. I think everything he said kind of came to fruition today, whether they played well or not. He wasn't, you know, blowing smoke that they were different types of players than they were. Um, Jonathan Kuminga stood out today by far as the best of the prospects. Um, we got a question here asking, would he be the second best player of the Warriors right now? <laughs> I know, but, <laughs> but I don't know not, that, but not he wouldn't off. start, you know, like, Oh, he, I mean, he should start. Yeah. I don't know if he, well, so here we go. We're getting Steve Kerr stuff already. I don't know that he would start, but I can tell you he should start. I don't I mean, know that the gap between what I saw from him today and Kelly Oubre is massive. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little too hold excited on. And about if it. it. If, hold on. if it is massive, it's massive in Kaminga's favor. Yeah. I mean, he looked uh, – they were comparing him to Jalen Brown. That's been kind of a popular comp for him. Uh, he looks bigger than Jalen Brown. He looks closer yeah. to 6'8", six, 6'9", six, than 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. Um, He's so I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan, right? Uh, Cal guy, but, yeah. um, but I thought like you could tell Jalen was different at Cal, but I didn't see it. I thought the Celtics reached for him. I was wrong. Um, but like his I, handle I, coming I, around was really a game changer because like, I remember watching those first few years and I'm like, some Harrison Barnes vibes in terms of any sort yeah. of shot creation going on. Well, so I remember, I remember like early, I think it was his rookie year. Yeah. I want to say it was, I want to say it was Jalen's rookie year. Um, he was guarding LeBron in the playoffs So the Celtics and, and, and Cavs were playing in the playoffs and like, it was okay. You know, like who's going to guard that LeBron? Nobody really, but he was okay. But, and he stood up for himself and he fought, but he looked like, small compared to LeBron and Kuminga I don't think is going to look small compared to that size guy like that's kind of what size he is Le LeBron's bigger than Kuminga but um like Kuminga physically Kawhi. is yeah but I mean like I even think it's more like and even some of his game I, I've heard the Jalen Brown comparisons you've talked about um 
you know, you and I texting about Kawhi, kind of like a body comp and a down the line best case scenario sure. to me. And and to be fair, this was my first time. Like I've seen some tape of him, like some highlights, first but the, full game viewing. This yeah. is my first full game, and to me, I got more uh, Siakam or Bam Adebayo vibes from him. Um, uh, like a bigger, he was a bigger guy. You know, like it looked like a full six eight six nine. Um, it's also, I think, the youngest guy in the class, and is really like a pretty good size for an eighteen. A guy who's still eighteen. Like Green had just turned nineteen. Um, and like that two-way potential, we can talk about his defense, which I didn't love. Um, and those Did they play Siakam, any defense today? No, nobody, <laughs> nobody was trying. That was that's weird to me. Like nobody was trying. I mean, it's not weird to me, it's the G League, but um, like I, I didn't love how Kamingo he was just eating screens, he would just like run into the screen and stop. Um, and I didn't love his off ball on the ball, he was okay defensively. Off the ball, it was kind of concerning to me. Um, but I just like not knowing when to help, not really paying attention and getting beat back door sometimes, right. not coming over in pick and roll, not like sliding over to the nail so that you're in position to help if necessary. Like that, that kind of stuff will come. Um, but I got more than like, more than the Jalen Brown um, vibes, more than the Kawhi vibes. I I, I got more like Siakam and uh, Bam Adebayo vibes, like three fours that can, like three, four fives that can initiate can handle um i was pretty impressed with his uh his feel his passing feel i, I had right. heard that some of his his passing feel was kind of a negative but i was impressed with some of his feel passing uh, he, he got downhill and then beat somebody with a backdoor pass um so i was i was like like thoroughly impressed and i tweeted this that you know, it's supposedly it's Mobley is kind of solidified as number two for a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. and Kate Cunningham is, is definitely solidified as number one. And then you see kind of the next three in various orders. Right. But I've, I've seen him, I've seen Kaminga fourth and fifth in a lot of mock drafts, you know, that are, have been updated recently. And if there are three or four guys that are better than him, better prospects than him, I clearly need to go like yeah. actually go scout some college games. Cause he was, like, well, I think um, Wasserman brought this up on Monday's pod and I hadn't really thought about, it, but scouts have just seen him the least. That's, that's been his mm -hmm. issue really. Like he, uh, he was dealing with some sort of injuries that kept him out of games, his uh, senior year of high school, and then the pandemic shut down. So they just have the least film on him. Also, you tie in the fact, I believe he moved from the Congo in high school, maybe a little yeah, younger. I think, I think they said in, on the broadcast, he was like, he's been in, been in this country for four years and was at three or right. four different high schools. Yeah. And so it, it's just different than someone like Jalen Green, who's been a known entity on the AAU circuit since he was 13 or 14. Like they, the, the scouts around the league have seen Jalen Green, you know, for five years, they've seen him grow from like, you know, awkward 14, 15 year old to what he is now. Right. Like it's just yeah. Kuminga they've seen less of. So I think a lot of it is that I'm with you though. If he continues to play like this, I think him versus Mobley ends up kind of a toss up on need. If anything, like the big versus the wing, um, <laughs> depending on what front office yeah, is yeah. drafting. <laughs> right. I well, was actually, I was, I had heard, you know, like I had heard that he settled for the jumper too much and the jumper wasn't, wasn't great kind of long twos. And he did that a little bit today, but one for I think seven the jumper, yeah. I, but I, but the jumper, like it's a, it, it was a little low for me, but, um, 
it was a very smooth and the form looks really good. And you can see he has that range. Uh, it didn't go in a bunch today, but you can see he has that range. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, it's I definitely not like, broken. That, that, that no, no. I mean, no, it looked good. No, I think, I, I think it's like as far as, you know, clay and what you can mold combined with what is already there for somebody so young, I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, like that, that's not a hot take, but I was thoroughly impressed. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching him and I'm going, I really don't see how he even falls. If the Warriors luck into the four or the five pick via the Wolves, I don't see how he falls there. Um, obviously, there's a lot of time to go. And Jalen Green was not particularly good today. That could change. No, he, he could easily go for 35 and put on kind of a highlight show tomorrow and everyone, you know, changes well, their mind. But the other thing is, like, in, in comparing the, the, the G League versus the – versus college right like you and yeah. i talk about this a lot how much we both dislike college basketball you watch a lot more than i do horrendous yeah uh, uh but it's just bad and it's not the nba right the, it's like almost a different sport um that is the other so, thing yeah like i don't think kuminga would look nearly this good if he's at kentucky he'd have two no, but just based on like the way they play he wouldn't look as good correct no i agree with you but i think there is um and this is what the nba is banking on i think like there is more to take from this. The, the marketing opportunities probably aren't as good. You're not going to be on TV as often as, as visibly as much, but like, I think there's more to take from this because he was going up again, like whatever you think about like Jordan Poole or whatever you think about Nico Mannion or whatever, right? Like those are guys that have both played in you know, Jeremy Lin, right? Those are guys that have played in the NBA. Right. So he's not going up against college guys. He's going up against actual pros. So I think there is, like, for Jalen Green also, who we can get into in a second, I'm sure. But, like, I think that even if he doesn't look great or even if however you think he may have looked in college, I think there is something to be said for being able to look even competitive, look decent as an 18- or 19-year-old going up against grown men. Like, Luca playing, you know, right. being the MVP of the Euro. Like, there is something to that. There's You're going up against grown men that are – want to that know you have a, a target on your back because or on your chest because you're the guy that's making more money you're the kid that's making more money you're the kid right. that's in their way to getting back to the nba so i think there is something to be said for both of those guys even if you're looking deep even uh, uh i can't even remember his name now but the uh the little stocky khalid alamine like mateen cleaves looking point guard who signed at ucla who came with oh dashi and nicks yeah who, he was like, good he was he looked really good right he looked like kind of pudgy and like solid but like you're like moving you're at his own against, pace yeah He's but you're going against too. like you're going against pros so um i think there's something to be said for that nice let's talk uh, let's talk jalen green real quick then um for a player who probably had the most hype coming out of high school just because his his dunks are absolutely insane like we've all seen them like on overtime or house of hoops or whatever it may be um pretty quiet game did not look particularly kind of coasting felt very um i'm gonna go back to the monday pod with wasserman wasserman said like i'm gonna constantly be comparing him to anthony edwards and it had a big anthony edwards feel to it where it's like if you watch anthony edwards at georgia you know some nights he was electric some nights you're like he just taking a, you know, he's settling for a few jumpers and just kind of running up and down the court, not just coasting and not really into the game. And that's kind of what Jalen Green looked like to me today. Like, yeah, you got flashes, the athleticism and transition. 
Uh, he's a little taller than I thought he was. I thought he was going to be more like six, four, six, five. I think he's a legit six, six, um, probably a two, but you know, he's definitely not like a combo guard size. He's got enough size to play the wing. And, uh, but other than that, like, didn't really do much in terms of shot creation for himself. Wasn't hitting his jumper and wasn't getting to the rim at all. Yeah. So I thought that, excuse me. I thought that, um, so I made a note about Kaminga who has like a great body, right? He's big, but like he didn't come across, especially early as physically, like as physical as I thought he would with that body. Um, Jalen green is skinny and small and just, looked to me like again it's my first time seeing him in game action but it looked to me like he was at least at first kind of overwhelmed by the physicality of pro guys um he was trying nico Mannion a bunch early trying to get by nico Mannion, and he kept getting stonewalled right um it was a lot of right hand um i liked his handle like both guys but especially uh green i his handle when he's kind of free and easy is really high and he carries the ball a bunch but then when he was trying to change directions trying to get around a screen sure um, did a good job getting low but he just i think he was having trouble with the physicality of nico Mannion. so um something I, he needs to, to watch some, going forward yeah yeah, yeah I, I think but you know you can see the flashes right you didn't get we didn't really get a chance to see his speed too much because i think as i just said i think he was having trouble with the physicality right um, but the bounces the bounce is obviously there um, the jumper up top looks okay. Uh, I have some concerns. He gets kind of like knock kneed. His knees buckle into each other when he goes up to shoot the jumper, which is strange to me. Um, KD kind of does that. KD absolutely does that, and it <laughs> works. But KD is also seven foot eleven. Right. Um, I didn't love how um, he didn't really fight on screens. Uh, he did a good job snaking around screens. Right. As opposed to Kamingo, who just kind of eats screens with his chest and gets stuck. So Green, he was he was doing a good job snaking around screens, but then he kind of just gave up after he got screened. He got around them and then didn't do anything. Um, he was having trouble with with ball pressure. Uh, Mannion was kind of getting in him, and he was getting a little loose with the handle. So look, I like shout everything out, that you're saying is right. Super superstar Nico Mannion. So I thought Nico Mannion was pretty terrible today. <laughs> but just the fact that he had played that one year in college and then has been around the Warriors for a while. Has I mean, he probably just... been getting abused by Steph Daly in practice. <laughs> oh, absolutely. He's probably been getting abused by Poole in G League practices. But I mean, I but I thought that I was surprised because of what I've heard about his athleticism. He just seemed like skinny and he just seemed like and, and this is something whenever you go up from like when you go to high school to college, college to the G League, G League to the NBA, right? Like it's just different. The athleticism is different. The the physicality is different. And he seemed like a guy that was used to getting whatever he wants because of his athleticism. Right. And then That's not actually... being able to do that because he was playing pro guys that are as big, strong, fast, et cetera, as him. And honestly, for me, that's not that worrisome because he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to stay skinny forever. Like he's got enough of a frame that I think he can put on weight and get stronger. Um, and no, he, I agree. I agree. And I so that so I agree. it's it's just kind of like it is just a reminder that at, no matter how exciting he is, he's still going to be a teenager when he goes into the NBA next year. And there's going right. to be like a long 
process for him to get stronger, for him to get smarter, for the skills to get tighter, no matter how exciting he is. You know, I mean, we're seeing it with Wiseman right now. Wiseman gives you a couple highlights every day where you're like, oh my God. But then you watch and you see some other players are like, you look like a high school kid. And it's just a reminder of like, you know, what you think he can be. You're probably not getting that next year. So, so it, you know what it really reminded me of? And this is obviously a higher level. Like he's kind of, he kind of feels like a little Zach Levine-ish to me. I think that's yeah. sort of a comp for him. Um, the athlete, the, who's, the who's a much better player than Anthony Edwards. But um, like, so I was uh, in person, I was at Staples Center, right? So the Lakers first game a couple years ago when Lonzo got picked second, uh, was against the Clippers and you know obviously there was all of the hype on Lonzo and right. and so like Patrick Beverly is like all right kid let's like right let's see I'm a dog let's see what you got and just got in him and Lonzo Ball couldn't dribble the basketball like he just like Lonzo Ball Lonzo's better than Patrick Beverly but when you're taking that step up in competition and Lonzo was a skinny that, rookie too. I now that I'm correct. So it's that, funny. It, he like so, randomly year three got pretty big, but so that's that's kind of what it felt like to me. Like, all right, man, like let's see. And I, I think that Lonzo adjusted, obviously, as as guys do. And I think that Green will I think Jalen will adjust, but it, I mean it was like 10% worrisome that he didn't like he looked kind of overwhelmed in the G League. Yeah, that wasn't great. Um, I'm still not. I don't think it's a long-term problem, but. I'm just curious to see him next game, see what goes on from there. Obviously, Kuminga got everyone out of their seats first time, and Jalen Green did not. It's just one game. Um, I do like your Zach Levine comp. I think he has, and by the way, Zach Levine's having an excellent year. It's kind of weird yeah. for me to you know, yes. think of him as a, a player conducive to winning as opposed well, he's, to. He's sharing the ball finally. Yeah, only took six years. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and he and he's using his athleticism to actually get rebounds now. Right, he's not just he's it's not thirty two two and three anymore. And so I kind of you know we'll see what we get from Jalen Green, but he's definitely in that Levine Anthony Edwards type of prospect mold where you're like this guy will score over twenty in the league at some point. But Monte Ellis, yeah, but will things. it will it be a productive 20 conducive to winning or will it be the guy who if he's not efficient that night he does nothing else so i was shocked because like as i admitted i haven't uh seen these guys much right but i i mean like i was shocked that just after today going back a little bit and seeing like jalen green is specifically and almost almost exclusively considered or was considered uh, a better prospect than Kamenga because right based on today that's just not correct what well, doesn't this happen every year though like I remember when Lonzo came out um he wasn't particularly ranked as a top five guy coming out of high school and then a month into his UCLA season he's the best show in college basketball same right. with Zion RJ Barrett was supposed to be the number one prospect right we yeah, all watched. Fair. We all watched two Duke games. We're like, ah, that that big guy over there is the better player. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah. Kuminga might just be one of those guys. Not a lot of film on him. Potentially a late bloomer. But like, yeah, for all the hype Jalen Green has, I don't know anyone who's walked away from this ignite game not thinking Kuminga is the better prospect. So yeah, and I, I haven't seen I haven't seen Mobley yet, and I haven't seen uh, uh, Kate Cunningham yet, who everybody says are two and one, I guess, respectively, I should have said that the other way around, yeah. but I've seen uh, Suggs, you know, a little bit at Gonzaga. 
Suggs feel um, is, is very nice. I mean, I like, you keep telling me, and I'm sure you're right, that Cunningham is amazing. I've, I've seen him in high school a little bit and, you know, yes, he's like every, he is that guy, but like, I don't understand how Kaminga is not number two at worst after this. I, I like Suggs too. I think but- it's honestly just because we've watched two months of college basketball Mobley's played out of his mind and these guys like all anyone had seen was two scrimmage highlights which looked like they were shot in an iPhone you know right like it wasn't even it wasn't even full angle it's like oh that's a cool play that I'm getting from a sideline camera where I can't really tell what's going on anywhere on the weak side and you know it's it is what it is I'll take what I can get but it's not like exactly the best way to evaluate someone so it's no it's terrible again like you can't do much against an empty gym uh, I'll get buckets against an empty gym, but right. It's like, they, they say who I can't remember who it was, you know, that when Steph posted that clip, he made 105 in a row. And, uh, we were talking about, Oh, you know, the Warriors have been posting highlights of, uh, of Wiseman shooting a practice, you know, making three or four in a row in preseason. Right. right. You know why, you know why they showed him making three or four in a row? Cause he didn't make five. Right. <laughs> so, right. Like that's why you're getting the highlights from that's why those know, Steph the highlights when he makes 78 in a row are really, really impressive. I mean, aside from the fact that no one could make that many in a row consistently, but yeah. Could you make, can, can you make, could you make 78 layups in a row in an empty gym right now? I don't know. I hope so. I don't know. Are you just saying I'm standing up underneath the rim yeah, and just going off yeah, the backboard? Just, no, over yeah, and over exactly. Again? You know, you can do mic and drill if you want. You can sure. just stand there. You can just stand there and get like the 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 uh, halftime, you know, whatever promotion it is, get one point for a layup and just stand there and just do it over and over and over. I don't know. I don't. That takes concentration. I don't. I don't. Know yeah, I, I, I feel I like can. even if I hit the rhythm where I'm hitting like ten to fifteen in a row, I just lose my mind and what. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, when, was the last time, when was the last time you hooped? Like five on five pre-pandemic. Like, honestly. Oh, no, like that's last, good. Last no, time that's I actually good. shot a basketball, I mean, I don't know, I was – have a lot of free time i've definitely walked out to the gym across the street and just shop by myself so so what are you what are you making from the line these days can you give me seven can you give me 70 percent we'll walk walk away with 50 percent happy we'll leave it there (laughs) um all right let's move this forward look no one's perfect even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded 
the best golfers, sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom, sometimes it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash light years now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Okay, so next thing, let's get to the Warriors now. Warriors um, G League players here. First off, are the Warriors the only... Okay, the the Thunder sent two players. I think those are the only two teams that sent two full roster players, which I just feel is very damning for the front office that you're sending Jordan Poole in year two and Alan Smiley each in year two. Like the Warriors are playing nine guys right now. It's not like they have roster depth. It's not like they're sending man 14 and 15. They're sending guys that theoretically should be in the rotation because they're down bodies. So we could start there. It's not a good sign when your first round pick a year ago is still in the G League bubble, right? I mean, uh, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Do you actually want a response for me? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Correct. Not good. Two, let's see. Um, they I mean, also didn't presently. Look- they also didn't look particularly good. Like, what did you think of Jordan Poole Day? Did anything he do today give you confidence that he's going to break into the Warriors rotation later this year or next year? No. Like in a positive way, not Nate. No. I want to get a minute's way because we took him in the first round. No. Um, uh, Jordan Poole is a 4A player, to use a baseball analogy. Um, he's probably better than most of the guys in the G league and not good enough to play in the NBA. Um, so he's kind of stuck in the middle. The Warriors at this point have to do what they can because they extended him for reasons that are not clear to me. Um, but I mean, like you wouldn't rather have, I mean, there's free, like you wouldn't rather have Dwayne Dedman in that roster spot. You wouldn't rather have Kyle Korver in that roster spot. Like there's, how about just Juan Toscano Anderson? <laughs> also, yeah, also fine, right? Uh, I mean, like, you're higher on JTA than I am. He's been, he was pretty good on the road trip, but like, fine. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. He's better than Poole. But um, yeah, the, and, and Smiley also, who you are, you are famously hard on on social media for good reason. Um, no, like, Jordan Poole is not good. I'm enough hard to play on the, the idea of what brought us Smiley, not smiley the player seems like a nice kid <laughs> no you're hard on both and you're, you're not wrong right no you're you're not wrong um i don't understand i mean you and i have talked a, a fair amount about how some of this and look the name of your podcast is the warriors light years uh, lake, lake of myers and kerr like all of it trying to some of it is trying to prove that they're smarter than everybody else mm-hmm. um and 
So again, like who knows, he shouldn't be, he's not an NBA player. He shouldn't be around anymore, especially now. Um, so I thought Poole was fine. Um, he, he, he looked like he was one of the better players on the floor. He has some NBA experience. He has a lot. I think he played 50 something NBA games last year. So he's got a fair amount of NBA experience. Um, the fact that he's been, in, he didn't look short, um, but he looks small. He looks unathletic. Um, he's kind of crafty with the dribble. The key for Jordan Poole is the same as it's always been. And it's always going to be, is he going to make, 40% of his threes, because if he can't make 40% of his threes, he can't play in the NBA. It's like pretty simple. And is he going to get threes up fast? My issue with him is not his ability to shoot. Well, okay. This is Billy shoot, but it's uh, the speed at which he can shoot. Like he can hit shots if he's open and has time. Um, he's not hitting shots with a quick release the way that like CJ McCollum is right. I mean, with of course. Steph, Steph goes without saying, but like guys who, are his same size. Like CJ is the same size as him, but CJ is probably smaller. Yeah. One of the best shooters in the smaller. league. Yeah. I mean, and they get their shot off so fast. I mean, I'm yeah. I don't know. Jordan. Poole. And, and apologies. Apologies. I, I know. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know this is going to upset Andy, but uh, Jeremy Lin looked cooked. I mean, he was fine, but he, he was fine. Like the old guy at the Y who was like, you know, he looked G league fine. Not I'm ready fine. to get he's, back to the NBA fine. He's he's cooked. He's like, he can't move anymore. Um, and like quiet as it's kept, one of the things about Jeremy Lin that made him an NBA player was he was a good athlete and he is no longer, he just, he looked cooked. So apologies to Andy. And I know, I know Andy had a problem with the hair too. And he was, the hair ain't look great either. No, not at all. Um, Let's move this. Let's see. Is there anyone else we want to talk about in the Warriors? Not really. I mean, Nico, I guess Nico Mannion. Um, I didn't see anything from Nico today that was different than what I've seen in the past, which is he does have feel. He he does. I mean, he is a point. He's like a traditional point guard. Like he knows how to run a pick and roll. He's a good passer. Still cannot shoot whatsoever. And I don't think he can get on the floor in an NBA game if that jump shot doesn't come around. Cause it's not like he's finishing above the rim or anything inside. Right. So um, you like basically can't play in the NBA anymore. Um, if you can't shoot, you have to be, you have to be like basically supernatural at something else or other things. If you just can't shoot. And you, you mean, um, if you're a guard, I mean, kind of generally, right. Like you have right. to be damn good at something else. Even if you're a big guy, right. You have to be damn good at something else. But it's and, you can still be a kind of an you know dunk dunk and defend and rebound big man in the NBA. Absolutely, and you better I, be shooting seventy percent from the floor, and true. you better be like blocking shots and having a really good rebound rate. Yeah, I mean, like I'm just saying, you if know, you're like, a guard and you can't shoot, I don't know how you stay on the floor. Right, like, unless like, you're Russell Westbrook or Ricky Rubio, kind of you know, but he is an incredible passer. He's an incredible defender. But like even he kind of is like limits your team closing lineups anymore and all that. So I thought Mannion was um, pretty good defensively. I was I thought he was good defensively. Um, You can see he's got a little bounce to him. Um, But if he just can't and he has some feel, but if he can't shoot and so far he can't shoot like there just isn't a place for you know, what is he, six one? There's like not a place for little tiny guys that can't shoot. It just doesn't like, it doesn't work. 
Um, so yeah, like not, I mean, I, I'm rooting for him and I understand, I think it was a, a fine pick for the Warriors. He was, he was bad at Arizona's one year, but the talent is there and he was really well thought of going to Arizona. He was like a lottery they, pick going into it. And so I understand, I understand kind of the reach for it, but. Eh, and he's on a two way, like he, I, he doesn't bother me because it's not like the smiley. Well, he can't play, but we're going to give him one of these 15 precious roster spots we have type of situation. Like if you want to take Nico Mannion, who's probably got more upside than anyone you're picking at like 47, 48, because just because of age and what he's shown at younger ages and put him on a two way, totally a fine project. Nothing wrong with that. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, oh, well. No, it's yeah, the wasted, I, I, it's a wasted first round picks on the pools, the J, the Jacob Evans, and or the we really like this guy and we're going to give him a four year deal, Alan Smiley, each type of things that are a problem. Yeah, I think I think I think it's a fine pick. I think his development so far, the arc so far, is fine. Um, I'm unconvinced. Sure, I don't think it's ever going to be there for him. But I think like you and I talk a lot about process versus results and sure. uh, which is, you know, as you just said, your, your, your main thing with smiley. Um, but yeah, I think it was fine. I don't think it'll ever be there, but I think, you know, I think it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Let's move. This was the, this was my favorite question we got and this kind of Uh-oh. ties into it. So the current Warriors season has given you the most information about a Bob Myers B, the Lake Cubs, C, Steve Kerr, or D, all of the above? Mm. Uh, I mean, Kerr, probably. Um, Is that because the Lake Cubs and Myers are doing what you assume they would do? Yes. And you got new it, it, information it, it, about Steve Kerr in this situation? No, it's not. I don't even know that it's, it, I don't even know that it was new information about Steve Kerr. It was more like confirmation about Steve Kerr. Um, it was like a year ahead of time on, on the other groups. I think Kerr, I wanted to see something from Kerr because. Oh, you, 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 year, you made your decision on Bob Myers when you saw the roster after Steph went down. <laughs> well, I mean, like last year. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, that that's was, what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Kerr, it was kind of like a year behind. Um, and frankly, I think that Bob Myers, I don't know. Um, I don't know what information there is that he's good at his job. Um, Which aspect and, of his job? Like the overall job? Or are you saying? Yeah, I'm like, not sure. Like, dra- obviously, the drafting record has been not so good. Um, the the trades have been kind of up and down um i think he is really good at the people management part of it but to be fair to him i think this roster is better than last year's roster and better thought out than last year's roster especially under the constraints that they have and so i think the question is like i I've had issues, some issues with Steve Kerr for years, but um, I think that we are getting some more information that concerns some of my more <laughs> darker concerns. Um, my issue um, this year. I, I don't want to make this all about Steve Kerr. I think I say that specific line every podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think this season for me uh, is more of a reminder of kind of how much influence he has in yeah, that's fair. team building. Um, 
And so my answer I mean, to this would be, just, would be I all. Think he's earned, I think he's earned some of that too, though. Yeah, three rings will get you. Right. Yeah, but I'm always, I mean, he's he's just got so many Phil Jackson qualities to him. The good ones and kind of the not so good ones, right? Like, um, I just couldn't imagine Phil coaching in 2021. Like a lot of his Zen voodoo type stuff, I don't think would translate with a lot of players in today's league. But that's that's a different that's a different topic. Um, but I think it, or, like organizationally, I think um, the problem is, and this is like this is specifically, I mean, this is true of ownership and Bob and Steve. Right. But I think it's especially true of Steve that the lessons learned um, during the dynasty years, he's trying to apply to a situation that that doesn't work in. Um, and the stubbornness that we've talked about, I think is that, that I like, that's what, that is what's the most concerning thing because I think Steve Kerr on balance is a really, really good basketball coach. I want to be clear about that. Cause I'm hard. On yeah. I think he's a really good basketball coach. I think he is very, very smart in basketball and outside of basketball. And I think he's probably not probably he is, I think he's a really decent, good, kind human being. Sure. Um, but it's the stud to answer the question, the original question, it's the stubbornness that I thought was there that has now been like confirmed for me. The, the kumbaya curse stuff that used to just kind of like, like, right. all right, that's cute and all of that. But like, are you maximizing your team? Um, like that doesn't work when you don't have. Well, and it's like, guys. he's, it's not an act. He's a true believer in that ethos. He will go down with that ethos is the thing that we're finding out now. Like he's no, he not, is going down. No, yeah, he yeah, is so going down with it. Right. No, you're right. He is. I think um, what I think for me, I don't think I've learned more about any one of them. I think all I've really learned is it's hard to separate who do, does what job. I think they all, Steve is more involved in roster decisions than he leads on. There have been players hmm. that Bob has wanted to sign that Steve has said, I wouldn't fit my system. I don't like him in that capacity. So to say Steve doesn't have a voice in it is just inaccurate. Now, is he the final voice? No, but you know, it's, I, I, I think the entire brain trust, I guess that's the best way to call it. Myers, Kerr, the Lakeups, whatever. It's hard to evaluate any of them individually. It's hard to evaluate any of them individually other than uh, maybe some of the in-game coaching decisions, which are just by default, always going to be the coaches decision right um but in terms I mean, yeah, of but even even those things to be fair to steve even those things um are clouded by input from players like you know steph and draymond sure. but that's not just on them it's superstar right any any like faces of the franchise they will have some input into that and obviously from ownership and from the gm it's kind of a collaborative decision you know ultimately it's the coach's call but he's getting input from other parts of the organization too. So even that it's kind of, you're, you're right. But if that, even that's kind of murky also. Yeah. I just think that you have to, they're all intertwined. You know, like a roster move is not just Bob Myers by himself. Like you or I playing like, you know, uh, two, you know, 2K, 2K yeah. GM mode or something like there's, there is synergy with all of it. So if you don't like a decision, I don't think there's one specific person you can blame unless you want to blame the owner for creating the whole atmosphere. Um, and if there's one specific decision you like, I don't think it's like just all Bob Myers or just all Steve Kerr either. You know, I, they're, they're too intertwined the way they work. So I just think this year has kind of reinforced 
that's the way it's going down one way or another. So now do I get to do my Steve Kerr rant or do we save it for later? <laughs> yeah, go for it. So the other reason why I say I've learned more about Steve Kerr is because this stuff about, um, again, I think Steve Kerr is really smart and I think he's a really good basketball coach on balance, but his blind spots um, are, I think, fatal. And I am frustrated. I go from frustrated to angry because I think it's disingenuous. And I said this on Twitter. I think he's being disingenuous and I think he's being intellectually dishonest. And I think that he thinks that um, Warriors fans are not as smart as they are. Your listeners are not as smart as they are. You are not as smart as you are, et cetera, because I'm certainly not as smart as I think I am, but, (laughs) but the, but the, the, like the the playing Steph more minutes stuff, I, he just like creates these straw men fallacy like <laughs> arguments that like nobody is saying, right? We're not going to play 40 Steph 40 minutes and try to chase wins. Okay, first of all, you need to chase wins because this team isn't good enough not to anymore. Um, Wes on, on the Lockdown podcast, he made a really good point the other day, um, which I always listen to second after your podcast. Um, Correct answer. It, yeah. Uh, I, and I, I listen to athletic one too. So actually listen, I listen to West third after yours and then the athletic one. Um, he, but he made a good point that like the, the Warriors culture and culture in general, isn't just a, a static thing, right? It is a thing that is kind of, it is a monster that has to be fed all the time. It has to be nurtured. It has to be cultivated all the time. And if the Warriors don't make the playoffs this year, I think they're real questions that, should be asked can be asked about is that is the warriors culture the fun loving the ball movement um is that still a thing right and does that still exist and do the are the warriors still in the championship conversation do they still get free agents because of that so i think the warriors don't have the luxury of just playing for the future and it's disingenuous. wait until clay gets back yeah that sort of thing it's, i think it's disingenuous to suggest that the only two options are burning, running Steph into the ground, playing him 40 minutes a night or playing him 30 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is fair to say of Steph, who clearly we think is in the best cardiovascular shape of anybody in the NBA. Um, Marathon runner. Right. In games that matter, right? In games that are hanging in the balance, you could play Steph a couple extra minutes. You could bring him back a little earlier in the fourth quarter and not destroy him and not kill him because there are going to be, invariably, there are going to be blowout games where he can sit out, positive or negative, that he can sit out the entire fourth quarter. So his average minutes are still going to be in the 34, 35, 36 range that you would like. Um, so it's the, it is not the only option, 40 minutes and we're going to chase wins. No, you can sit him when you sit him and he should have sat last night. They didn't need to, didn't need to bring him back in the fourth quarter last night. It's not, it is, it is intellectually dishonest. And then he took a shot at fans. Oh, fans are telling me I have to play him more. Correct. And he just gets media laughs out of that. And I'm like, that's that's probably deserved a little follow-up, but whatever. The people in the zoom calls are not challenging him on this sort of thing, which that is correct. um, Which like, whatever you think about that is fine. But I just, I, it, I don't think that it is intellectually honest to suggest that the only options are running Steph into the ground and doing what he is doing now. Steph could play another minute or two here or there in games that hang in the balance 
and I even understand at the beginning of the year, it was a different conversation because the second unit was better than the starters, right? Right. The second unit has been terrible recently. So in games that are slipping away or games that are close, you can play Steph another minute or two to try to get wins that you need to get. It's just like, it is intellectually dishonest. I agree with you. Um, I also agree he's not getting challenged because he has a certain level of stature that he has earned with what the team has accomplished. But I don't believe, I just don't believe in that as a, uh, um, as just like a guiding light. Well, he's won three rings, so we should never ask questions again. Like if, if you govern anything in your life like that, that's a good way to fall behind. Um, there's also the, there's also the dynamic of, and this is, this is not a Warriors thing. This is not a Steve Kerr thing. This is not a Warriors media thing, but there's the dynamic of, you know, like which guys are friendly with the media. And there's the difference between, you know, like, and in some respects it's necessary because to do your job well, you have to have access. And that in some cases requires, you know, a different set of circumstances than would normally I do. I I do want to get to your point. The one that you said Wes made, which I actually agree with, but I would take it in a different direction. Ours. I feel a big reason the Warriors struck out in free agency was Claire Clay tearing his Achilles, mm-hmm. um, you know, two days before it opened. Like maybe they would have signed Marcus All. Maybe they could have got Nico Mannion. Neither of those players. Sorry, Nico Mannion. Sorry, Nico Batum. <laughs> Nico Batum. <laughs> Nick Batum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my brain's all over the place. No, now. you're good. Um, obviously, those are guys in the ring chasing stage of their career. And the minute Clay mm-hmm. goes down, the Warriors are no longer a ring chasing destination. Right. But now, it, and if, if, if the Warriors are, and that's you know, probably a 10, Bob's, a 10 seed or 11 seed or whatever in the West this year. And then, and then uh, he kind then and then Clay comes back and you don't know what Clay's going to look like until he comes back do you get that now if if the Warriors are like scrappy and good and 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 uh Steph looks like he he looks and the Warriors are a five seed right which is a few games different right now it's a few games different here or there it's two games right like, basically right yeah. right from where the Warriors are to a five seed right now is a couple games different if if uh if Kerr had put played Steph a couple more minutes to quote chase wins they're probably a five seed right now. And if the Warriors are a five seed, then it is not like, it is not a huge departure to say, oh, Clay's coming back. Look, it was a five seed. Okay. Like now they're still in that. Even if Clay, even if Clay's rusty, that probably takes them up to a three seed. Wow. Put me on there. Maybe we could be challenging a LA team who's tired after two long playoff runs, you know, like it's not a, and that's why it's like, I don't think you can just punt the season and assume you're, you have the same name cachet you had in 2019. Um, Correct. And I think Steph, I think Steph more than anyone knows it. I think Steph's, I mean, A, Steph's just amazingly talented and there's that, but I think part of him is motivated by the fact that he thinks everyone forgot about how good he was. I think there's a level of, oh, you guys don't think I'm still one of the two or three best players in the league. You don't think I'm on that level. I think that's driving it. And I think he knows he needs to play at that level because if he plays at that level, there's a lot of veteran free agents who'd be like, that is one of the two to three guys I want to be on a team with because I know he can lead a contender. Yeah. I mean, especially like offensively, I think he's the best player in the NBA. Um, You know, uh, 
some metrics like real plus minus has him far and away as the best offensive player. Some other metrics, you know, have him second. Wow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the um, point stands. But the, and the, the last, the, the last part, I forgot about the, like, we're not chasing wins kind of the like giving up on the season thing. And I, why I say it's disingenuous and intellectually dishonest. Cause if that is actually the case and you're going to save Steph for next year or for when clay comes back for the championship run, then, and this year doesn't really matter then why are you replacing wise men with Looney? Like you don't get it both ways. If we're playing for, if you, you, you pulled Wiseman out of the starting lineup because you think Looney gives you a better chance to win right now. Okay. So what, which is it? Which, what are you playing for? If you're playing for next year and, and the year after and the year after, are you telling me that you think Wiseman is better served by sitting? And and even if he's going to play similar minutes, you think Wiseman is better served by not playing against their the players' best teams, he, and he's, he's not playing playing less with Steph and Dre, which who who he's going to be playing with? It's dishonest. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it it's frustrating also because he's out right now, but he should be back before the weekend. He might even play Thursday against the Magic. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are the contradictions of what they're doing and why it's frustrating because you have clearly one of the two or three best players in the league very much still in his prime and they're kind of dangling in no man's land, not really developing pieces for the future, but also not going, you know, chips cashed in, you know, screw the future. We're going for it because we may not, we may not have a player of steps level for the next 25 years, you know? I think there's an arg- I think there's an argument that <laughs> for the next 125 years. Sure. I, I think, no, to be fair to them, I think there's an argument both ways. I think you, I think there's an argument either way. And I understand for fans, it's very frustrating to feel like you're giving away Steph prime. I, so I think there's an argument to be made either way, but you don't get both of them, right? You right. don't like pick one. Like you can try, you can try to thread the needle, that's okay, but then don't tell us it's one or the other. Just tell the truth, pick one, and go with it. And I think that's the part. I guess this is the point you made earlier on, and it's kind of my point. Fans aren't stupid, and I don't really think they're as irrational as people think. Everyone knows the clay injury was just just dumb luck. Like, there's no one to hold accountable for that. Like, who are you going to blame? You know, like the, the gym that it happened in? I don't know, you know? Right. And so I don't think fans ex- are expecting them to be able to compete for a title when you lose your second best player a day before camp opens or whatever it may be. Um, but give them like some sort of honesty about what the season's direction is and what your goal is, you know, like that's, that's what it comes everybody down to. Everybody knew last year, right. When Steph got hurt, like everybody knew what it was, the losses, nobody likes losing, but people understand. Just don't like, you don't get it both ways. You don't, you don't get to go up and down. Oh, we're going to sit Wiseman because he hasn't been good enough this year. And we want, okay, well then play Steph. If you're trying to win, then play Steph more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't, it just like, that's the, the part that is frustrating to me is that it's just like, it's incongruous. Like it just, I, you know, my, uh, what song is it? There's a Drake song. I can't even remember what it is, but like the end of it is, even the outro he's like talking is like i tell the truth i don't even listen to you because i don't like being lied to right like don't <laughs> yeah. just like just tell me the truth i like yeah i get it right like the team isn't what it should be i get it for those there's, fans, there's a sure. re, there's a real ceiling on what this team can do yes we all right. know 
So fine, yeah, fine. But then like let's let's play in that world. Yeah. And play I, and play Wiseman. Fine. And finally, like the last point, which ties into it, is like I just don't get the constant pushback on the fans online. Like are we really arguing with Twitter mentions in, in media, in media scrums all day? Like, you know, be better than that. That's, that's yeah, my that's, last it's point. Small, it's small, it's small time. Yeah, it is small time. Be better than that. Be honest with the fans and just keep them moving. You know, sorry, you're, you're, you know, 2017 San Francisco giants level propaganda isn't being bought, whatever. Oh, what about the, the, the 2000, whatever warriors propaganda isn't being bought that previous one, ownership propaganda. yeah yeah well i feel like back when that was going on the fan base just absolutely loathed everything the organization did like because they had no trust at least this management group has a level of trust from the fans because they have delivered as they should yeah yeah i should. mean like you're gonna trust the ownership group and the coach that want you rings uh yeah. even if even if some criticism is fair you're going to they just they have a little more trust than Chris Cohan. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so I have a, I have one theory. Last thing I want to say, I have one I have a theory. God, we uh, you and I have talked about <laughs> no never. <laughs> you and I have a, have talked about uh about maximizing Steph offensively, and that's the thing to do. Um, I think th- I think we have proven that now. Draymond is far and away the worst turnover machine in the league. Uh, oh, 32.3 power two yes 32.3 percent turnover percentage which is like double trey young it's double uh uh lamello ball but but the warriors are still like and i'm not even sure he's good anymore um but the fact that the warriors are so much better with him on the floor especially offensively is because he just steph looks so much more comfortable with him out there so I think it is like really, really important. And I think we're getting like proof of concept that even, even like worse players with Steph in the small ball, playing small ball, like Steph just looks more comfortable and more maximized offensively. And it, I, in my opinion, the Warriors should double down on playing guys that maximize Steph offensively. I agree. Um, I would assume part of the reason Steve has been so uh... – Stubborn with Ubre is mostly because he thinks at a certain point it's going to click for him. Um, I do not have the same level of optimism, <laughs> but, uh, but I do. I mean, that's at least like a coach thinking like a teacher type of thing. Like I get it, you know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, to your point on Draymond, it's, he's really testing the boundaries of how effective one can be while being like a negative zero in terms of scoring the ball. Like it's very, I don't even know if yeah. I want to call it impressive. It's just, it just is 34, 34.8% for the field on the season. Do you think he gets his turnover percentage above his field goal percentage? That would be special. I don't, I mean, I feel like the lower the field goal percentage goes, the higher the turnover percentage goes because the less of a threat he is to score, the more everyone can overplay the passing lanes. Like, just to be clear, he's turning it over like crazy because everyone knows shooting the ball is it's not like it's plan b it's like plan z in terms of options <laughs> when he's on the ball he's like look for staff then look for wiggins then look for Ubre, then look for juan toscano anderson then yell for a dribble handoff and then maybe shoot the ball that's like his like motive of thought and yet steph is still cooking yes <laughs> all right we'll leave it there steph is still cooking and we got to see some g league this morning <laughs>